You are live with the App Show. Mike Agarbo in studio today. I've got my good friend Gray Williams helping me out. We've got a great program. The App Show is all about the world of apps for mobile phones, TVs, cars, anything that can run an app, and just mobile technology. And we try to keep it fun and friendly and talk about some of the, uh, the issues around it as well. Today's program is super interesting. We've got Brian Jackson coming up in a little while from the Infotech Research Group talking about uh, the NBA and being able to digitize your face onto players while playing the game huh. in real time. Okay. Crazy. Weird. Yeah, so I, they could theoretically take your face and put it on one of the, the pro basketball players and you could watch them playing the game with your face. And who wouldn't want that? I love living in the future. We're going we're gonna to talk to Brian about how that all happens. We're also going to talk about AI, as we have done more and more of uh, in these shows. Uh, there's a concern now that AI could swamp social media with fake accounts. Who didn't see that coming? <laughs> like, oh my God, it's, it's a problem. Yep. Because it's already happening. These internet trolls and you know bot farms are creating thousands of of fake accounts to do nefarious things. They interfered with the 2016 U.S. election. But as you can imagine, lots of manpower. AI, making that simpler. Can I, can I tell you what I'm really worried about? What? When AI and the Nigerian 419 scams get together. Really well-written scam emails, it's ha- I'm worried for you, you know it's happening already. Yeah. And we're going to talk about e-books. And uh, Gray, no secret, you've actually written a book that you self-published, a physical one and an e-book. We're going to talk a bit about that process for people that are kind of interested, you know, kind of get them on the right track. But then we're also going to slide that down into the AI cesspool. Where's authoring and publishing going with tools like ChatGPT? Yeah. And what should we look out for? Should we be concerned? I mean, we did just call it a cesspool. I did. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It just... <laughs> Lightly dipped in AI gold. There, there you go. Okay. Maybe it could be a good thing. Yeah. But let's talk about some of the mobile tech news uh, this week as we always do in the first segment here uh starlink we've spoken a lot about them that's elon musk's one of elon musk's companies yes they have satellite internet service that i think has changed getting internet for a lot of people in remote areas yeah and you know we've spoken to some of these folks on the show especially here in canada there are places that just don't have reliable high speed yes and so the advantage of this satellite internet service is that the company is literally launching thousands of low earth orbital satellites that can basically work in conjunction with an antenna you buy and using space lasers, I like saying that, uh, basically beam down high speed internet Yeah, with low latency, meaning it's just fast and I quick u- requests. I used this at Burning Man this past year. Okay. Incredibly awesome. Even in dust storms, it was working. Really? Oh yeah. Yep. And did you find it a noticeable difference than like from your home? It was like having home internet. Really? Yeah. So my, my, my friends run in Monica. They've got this beautiful RV down there, which is basically the one wall of our camp. And I've got my shift pod, which looks like a moon lander. They had Wi-Fi running through our whole camp. It was great. So they're sharing the Wi-Fi. Yeah. And everyone, yeah. it worked. Yep. I tried to keep my phone off as much as possible, but it was nice to be able to call home once in a while. I don't have the exact prices here in front of me, but if you want this for your home, uh, they've got different packages now. They all revolve around getting the, the satellite dish receiver thing yeah. and that's around 800 bucks yeah. 850 canadian somewhere in there and then you have to pick a package so i think the home one is like 130 bucks 135 bucks a month it's decent yeah and it sounds like a lot 
it is. But when you think about how much you pay for your high-speed internet now, it's probably around 100 bucks. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And that's only good for, like, if you have a stationary location, yeah. a home. You've got to have a cable plug running in from the network yeah. into, you know, fibers of the home or whatever else it is. That's got to be there. Yeah. yeah. So they then came out with an RV version. So uh, a plan... And that's more, I think it's like 170 bucks a month, somewhere in there in Canada. And so basically, if you're into RVing and, you know, trailers and stuff, I've, I've got a trailer. And, you know, when I go to these uh, RV parks, when I'm, you know, camping and vacationing, there is a lot of trailers that have these antennas. Yeah. Because typically when you go to these campgrounds, the internet sucks. They say they have Wi-Fi. 802.11b. But they're <laughs> sharing, as you can imagine, if you're in one of these larger ones with hundreds of sites... And all of these people trying to access the internet and a lot of them streaming like Netflix. Do you know what I mean? Yep. It's not a good experience. Not on data saver, full no. 4K. Yeah. Let like come at, come at night after seven o'clock, God help you. Yeah. Trying to get any kind of connection. Uh, so a lot of these folks have purchased these satellites. They've got things that they can mount on top. Uh, I think, you know, the latest version, you can even have one that's works while you're driving. Yeah. Right? Yep. Which is amazing. And it's, it's about capacity in a given area. Yeah. Um, the cool thing is, if you're going somewhere, go early. Because if you get into the area, you get provisioned first, so you get access first. Exactly. <laughs> so they've come out with a new plan, uh, global roaming. Global. So that's 200 US yep. a month. And basically, you can take your dish anywhere. Yeah. I like it. They do have a caveat that you're responsible for any um, laws. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That yep. <laughs> would enable or prevent you from using that so if there's like hardware a, and a service. country that has a great firewall that you weren't supposed to have sort of access to certain things. Yes. That might be a problem. Starlink is saying we're not we're not responsible. We're not for responsible. Yeah. But you know, I've read people using this in Greenland now and you know, a lot of other countries. So the the dish is not like what you think, like a giant round satellite dish. It's actually quite compact. Yeah, it's like the one that I saw looked like a like a V on a stand. Yeah. Um, I wonder, I mean, I, I think they get sweet in the pot here. Yeah? Yeah, for 200 bucks, uh, you get your Starlink roaming, but uh, also Twitter blue. <laughs> <laughs> so another caveat is that uh, a lot of the times you're going to get fantastic internet speed, but there could be times where you get crappy internet speeds or none. And they're working, obviously, to keep improving the service. And I think what that means is they're trying to launch more satellites yes, which, to basically cover it. As someone who's in an, in an astronomy program, those satellites are the bane of my existence right now. Yeah. Grateful for the internet, not so grateful for the space junk. They're blocking out the stars. There. Is it a big problem? Not a big problem yet, but it's going to get there. Because they, have, like, they want to have 40,000 of these things up there. They're just into the thousands. They have started painting them a different color, which makes them a little bit less visible in the night sky? So. Yeah, but they're still blocking, right? Yeah, in a lot of cases, yes. And so they're not the only company either. No. Amazon wants to get into it. There's other providers as well that want to do the same thing, create this constant. How many satellites are up there, man? A you know lot. I mean? Yeah. A lot. It's, you know what? Honestly, um, space junk removal is going to be a big business in the next 100 years. It's crazy, right? Yeah. We used to just worry about, like, you know, rogue nation states, deorbiting satellites. Now I've got, you know... Amazon subsidiary X launching their 14th satellite this week. Great. What is it? It is expensive because uh, I was thinking of getting this service like for my RV. Mm -hmm. and But I'm thinking, you know, 150 bucks a month. 
And, oh. and typically when I'm camping, it's like for a week. Yes. The, the one good thing is that you can just use it for a month and turn it off. Yeah. But you just got to guess, do the math, right? I wonder if there's a, a market for a, a Starlink reselling service where, you know, you buy a bunch of them and you lease them out to campers. Oh, that's a what about idea, right? I think that's probably against the for sure it is. user agreement. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I would never do anything like that. Ever. <laughs> yeah, I guess you could go to a campground and basically resell. Do you know what I mean? Hey, hey buddy, you want to buy some internet? Yeah. <laughs> like, how much would you pay? For, for like, a good internet for the week? Yeah. If I'm, I don't know, 40, 50 bucks? Yeah, right? Yeah. 10 bucks a day? Yeah. Mm. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the campground would probably be upset about that. You cut them in. Do you? Oh, great. Yeah, of course you yeah. Yeah, but then is there enough? Like, how many people could you have hooked up to this thing at a time? You get, you get a couple of them. Okay. Right? Now we're talking. Yeah, but okay, you got a couple. So that's about 300, or 150 bucks a month. Yeah. 300 bucks a month, you got a couple. Yeah. That's a lot of people. Then you got to be out hustling in the campground. Uh, you get the campground to sell it for you. That's why you cut them in. Got the front desk. Yeah, but then the campground guy's like, well, I could just do this. Yeah? Yeah. I don't know, maybe. There's the initial investment. See, it's all, it's all full circle. Okay, we've got a lot more to talk about on today's program. We're going to be talking about having your face on NBA players in the future while you're watching the game. Who wouldn't want that? And AI swamping social media with fake accounts and decent content. We've seen at the 2016 election how uh, Russian hackers influenced that election, took a lot of human labor. That's gone now. They can use things like ChatGPT. We'll also talk about creating your own ebook and then sliding that into AI. Where does that all fit in? Can it help or hinder the process? And don't forget to enter our contests, www.getconnectedmedia.com, giving away a Samsung Galaxy S22 smartphone and a $500 gift card to give to your favorite Canadian charity. And if you stay tuned later on the show, I'm going to give you a secret word. And it's the last weekend of this contest, a secret word that'll get you 50 extra entries. Super important. You're listening to The App Show. Back after this. You are back with the program. Mike Agarbo here in studio. Going to talk uh, basketball now. Uh, a few weeks ago, I had a chance to visit Toronto and uh, get a demo of uh, the Maple Leaf uh, sports group there uh, using augmented and virtual reality to kind of put you in the game. Well, it's going to another level now. We've got Brian Jackson on the line. He's from the Infotech Research Group, and uh, we're going to talk about how you can actually be a part of the game. Brian, you had a chance to check out that uh, demo a few weeks ago. Uh, you know, essentially, yeah, I was there. Yeah, they, they capture a game because they've got cameras and sensors all over the uh, the basketball court, and then they can replay it in virtual or augmented reality. You can actually see the game being replayed, obviously with uh, kind of digital versions of, of the player. But uh, now the NBA is kind of taking that to another level. Yeah, they are. And this blew my mind when I saw the demo from Commissioner Adam Silver at the NBA All-Star Weekend this past weekend. And he was previewing a feature they're planning to bring to the NBA app in the future. Now, of course, these days you go on the NBA app, it's not just to look up statistics. You can broadcast all of the games and watch them, the, the games live streamed directly to your device, or you can watch them on demand too. So in this new feature, uh, the idea, and Adam Silver, he demonstrated this live on stage. He brought out 
Ahmed. And uh, he scanned Ahmed, this host, uh, with his smartphone camera, uh, just simply by walking around him. So you can imagine taking a video, doing a 360 degree walk around a person, uh, getting them to stand still. He sort of spread out his arms like he was doing mountain pose in yoga. And it only took about a minute. And then the next thing you knew, Adam was going and taking that scan of Ahmed and going into the NBA app, going into a game, and selecting players from a menu. So he selected Taylor Horton Tucker from Utah Jazz. And then Taylor Horton Tucker was replaced in the game by Ahmed's image. So Ahmed essentially became Taylor Horton Tucker, and everything that Tucker was doing in the game made it, it seemed like Ahmed was now doing it. So he ran down the court, he got the ball, went up for a dunk, and then sort of mugged and postured uh, afterwards, which was pretty funny. But the video was incredible. The effect of it was very convincing. So this was like a real basketball game, and they've basically stuck his face on on a, a real player. Exactly. And the amazing thing to me is that the NBA is saying that you'll be able to do this with a live game that you're watching. So, you know, if I'm watching the Toronto Raptors and I feel like having my body and face superimposed over top of Pascal Siakam as he puts up 50 points. Well, I can do that and just watch the game unfold live and see him, see myself, I guess, doing all of these incredible things that I could never do in a billion years. My question is why? Why would they want to do this? Well, the NBA, Mike, is looking for new ways to get its fan base engaged with the game. Um, these days, people have short attention spans. So when you're asking them to watch like a two and a half to three hour game unfold on their uh, device, um, people just don't have the attention spans for it anymore. They'd rather consume the highlights in about 10 minutes or less, or just watch their favorite players highlights reel from the past week. So they don't have to bother following the team and watching a bunch of foul shots. So, in this sort of attention economy, the NBA is trying to figure out how to draw people in and get them engaged in what's happening. And I think there's this idea that there's somewhere in between video game and live experience or sports watching experience that you can participate in and feel more connected to what you're experiencing. Are they almost trying to eat into the video game business in a way? I know it's not well, the same, but it's kind there's of... There's a crossover there, yeah. right? Because, um, of course, you know, what already has ex has existed is the NBA video game, right? Yep. A 2K comes out every year, and for years, players have been able to scan their own face and build a model, a 3D model of, in the video game of them so they can go and play in this video game as themselves and uh, see what that experience would be like, fantasize about that experience in the NBA. So now they're sort of taking that feature from the video game and and interjecting inter, uh, it into an actual game that you would watch live. It is interesting because I don't, I, I don't mind going to a basketball game, like a physical one, but I, I would never turn on a basketball game on, on television to watch it. But if I, I guess I, if I could kind of make it more interactive and fun or funny, um, that might kind of tempt me into that. 
right? And just think about all the possibilities with this. I mean, if you could insert your a model of yourself live on your favorite player, just think of all the other characters, celebrities, right? Cartoon characters, fantasy characters for movies. <laughs> it's your you own know, Space maybe, Jam. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it becomes Space Jam. And maybe you take uh, the Simpsons family and you, you're watching those five characters play as your favorite team or they become the opposition for your team you know this there's a lot of possibilities here there must be a lot of computing power to make that all happen wouldn't you think I, I guess our devices have that power now even our smartphones right so how is this even possible well it go, all goes back to 2013 Mike when the NBA signed a deal with stats for, and their sports view cameras stats is a company that's owned by the Associated Press and Fox and what they do is they put motion capture video cameras in every NBA arena. So since 2013, every NBA team has had these cameras and every NBA game therefore is captured with this motion capture technology. So it's not just the video, but it's actually like the 3D motion capture technology that's used in movies when they do animation of these 3D characters. And that data stream can be used to um, show how players are positioned on the court, which way are they moving, um, which way are they facing. So you have this really rich data set. It's all powered to on Microsoft's Azure Cloud. Uh, that's a partnership that Microsoft has, has formed to build up this capability as well. And the NBA app that was relaunched this year is also built on Microsoft's technology. So you can see how they're bringing different aspects of that platform to bear with this type of experience. We're talking with Brian Jackson from the Infotech Research Group all about uh, the NBA's uh, digital aspirations. Having the ability to actually put your face on one of the players uh, in the game as it's being played, which is just uh, kind of blows my mind from a technology perspective. Brian, uh, as always, I want to thank you for joining us. Thanks for having me, Mike. Don't forget to hit our website, giving away a Samsung Galaxy S22 smartphone. This thing's worth like a thousand bucks. It's an amazing Android smartphone from Samsung. Amazing camera in it uh, as well. And uh, also we're giving away a $500 charity gift card for you to give away to your favorite Canadian charity. This is all courtesy of the TELUS Friendly Future Foundation. If you want more info and uh, a chance to enter, www.getconnectedmedia.com and don't forget to, to keep listening because we're going to give you the secret word of the week. Why do you want to know this? Because if you take that secret word, go to our website, it will give you a chance to get extra entries into the contest. So it kind of ups your chances of winning this great prize pack. Again, www.getconnectedmedia.com and giving away a Samsung Galaxy S20, Galaxy S22 smartphone and a $500 charity gift card your favorite Canadian charity. When we come back from the break, more tech to talk. Stay tuned. You are back with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here. Got Gray Williams with me today. Uh, we're going to continue talking about AI because it's just infiltrating everything and how it kind of relates to social media and the potential for badness once more. Uh, Gray, I look back at the 2016 U.S. election and it was shown that there were thousands of fake social media accounts created uh, by a St. Petersburg-based internet research agency, which focused on harming the 
the Hillary Clinton campaign while supporting the Donald Trump com- campaign. This was com- uh, concluded by the Senate Intelligence Committee back in 2019. Yeah. So that was literally thousands of accounts and content created, and it, as you can imagine, required a lot of human labor. Yes. Uh, we are in a brave new world now with tools like ChatGPT that can create content almost instantaneously. And according to a report from the Georgetown University, um, Stanford Observatory and OpenAI, Open basically saying that it's going to make it so much easier for these internet troll armies to scale up their operations. Yeah, it absolutely will. So if you take a look at um, these farms before, they were botnets, right? Bot farms. And the idea there is that you've got a script that the bot follows. It's kind of regimented. It knows certain things and how to reply to certain things when it gets asked certain things. But And you've also got human handlers that are watching over all of these accounts. But it is kind of labor intensive as well. 100%, yeah. 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 Human so, labor intensive. Because the thing is, there's there, again, there's no intelligence there. Now, I mean, admittedly, they were mimicking things that didn't have intelligence to begin with, so it was on brand. But artificial intelligence now can start to predict what a human being would would do in a situation like this. And so those scripts, the things that are kind of locked down and feel very rigid and make it easy to identify these things as bots, now we're starting to lose some of those clues. And that's that's a rough place to be. Well, I've had a chance to use ChatGPT for a number of things. And I even had it generate a social media plan for you know a water bottle company just to see what it could do. And you can actually drill down and get something pretty detailed. It'll actually scope out a three-month plan and what kind of posts you should do based on what you're trying to, you know, your call to action or, you know, what you're trying to sell and even generate the content for like Facebook and Instagram, you know, the text of it uh, anyways. And it's not bad. Yeah. So can you imagine having that tool for some of these bad actors? Do you know what I mean? To Yeah instantly create thousands of pieces of content. Well, and that's it. Sort of that, that labor gap that was there before has now been closed. I was actually talking to a friend, friend of the show, Tasia Custodi, and she actually uses ChatGPT for most of her social posts. So she's actually using ChatGPT for most of her social media posts, um, obviously creating the content herself, but then advertising and marketing that content with ChatGPT. Looking at these bot farms, right, as they switch over to AI, it's going to be interesting to see because we've seen that ChatGPT, Sydney, and a few of the others, they're, they're able to actually converse with humans. In a platform where we've got humans talking to humans, in the past we've had humans talking to bots, are we going to have AI talking to AI? Is this going to be a war of the machines? I think it would be pretty cool to see. I wonder what kind of tools like the Facebooks of the world can make by whatever that can sniff some of this out. Yeah. But as we've seen with some of these, you know what I mean? Like the schools are really upset about this right now. They're trying to work with some of these companies and open AI to have AI detection. But as we've seen, new tools come out that bypass that. Yeah. There's only one choice, really. And that is Harrison Ford, Ryan Gosling. We send them in. Blade Runner, three. <laughs> We're good to go. Um, but then it comes down to like the images as well. Like, so you've got the text and you've got these 
these image engines that can create all sorts of original content that way as yeah. well. And what what makes it scary is that it it's original content. Do you know what I mean? Like all these posts are, I mean, it's AI doing it or computer writing it, but they're kind of little original pieces, every one of them. They're not just all standard, you know, cut and paste, cookie cutter pieces. It'll be interesting to see if one of these AI machines, these AI scripts, is able to come up with an interesting original thought, something that makes us all stop and go, hadn't thought of that before. I'm, I'm curious to see, because this, this could happen, right? We give this thing a mission, you know, go espouse this political view, support this person here, here are the values. What happens when it actually comes up with a good point? So where this is scary, as you can imagine, is going into elections. You know, there's a big U.S. election coming up soon, 2024, right? Can you imagine the craziness? I can't even, like, my brain can't even compute right now, using some computer language, uh, the sheer amount of AI-written crap that will be inserted into social media to help promote certain candidates for better or for worse you know it, it's it's curious to see because i've seen some things come out of candidates where i'm like that's actual stupidity i will take artificial intelligence any day. <laughs> so maybe the ai will be better than the actual politicians possibly i wonder if we could actually get the ai to coach some of the politicians who don't quite get it it'd be interesting to see it's scary as well because you know you looked at uh, you know this russian firm that interfered in the 2016 election you know there's going to be Again, these bad actors out there that are going to try to disrupt elections again with with these powerful tools now that are kind of hard to detect yeah. because it's kind of a back and forth. They can make AI detection tools, but then there's AI that makes it better to get past that. <laughs> it's a bit of an arms race. I mean, the biggest problem, I think, was disinformation, right? And the, the botnets supported that. And so the AI will probably support disinformation, but we actually have much better tools for identifying actual factual errors now. So I think we're a little ahead of the game from where we were before. But like you said, this is, this is going to be a back and forth tennis game that I really, I mean, I kind of want to watch it, but I really wish I was involved. Yeah, it's uh, a brave new world. Don't forget to enter our contest. We're giving uh, away a great prize package right now. It's a Samsung Galaxy S22 smartphone. This is like a top-of-the-line flagship smartphone from Samsung. Amazing camera on it, worth uh, about 1000 bucks. And we're also giving away a $500 gift card that you can give to your favorite Canadian charity. This is all courtesy of the TELUS Friendly Future Foundation. They do great work in helping uh, youth and different climate initiatives, all sorts of things to make Canada and the world a better place. If you want a chance to win, go to our website, www.getconnectedmedia.com. And once you enter, there's actually additional ways to gain more entries. So just kind of read. It's a lot of easy stuff to do, and it kind of ups your chances uh, to, to win this great prize package. And in the next segment going to stay tuned. We're going to give you a secret word that will basically get you 50 additional entries into the contest. Nice. 50 more entries. I take it. You got to listen. When we come back from the break, we're going to talk about AI again, but how it relates to eBooks. It's a, a big industry of people that self-publish eBooks, uh, especially on Amazon, which is kind of the, the big 500-pound gorilla out there. That's where most people do uh, or go to do this. How is AI going to change that? Right? 
Yeah. Well, it's happening already. Amazon's already set up a separate category for that. And that's only the AI-generated books or eBooks that we know about. Do you know what I mean? Like, what about the thousands of other ones, perhaps even millions coming down the pipe that we don't know about yet? We're going to talk about that and what that all means. You're listening to The App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with The App Show. Don't forget to hit our contest, www getconnectedmedia.com giving away a Samsung Galaxy S22 and a $500 gift card to give to your favorite Canadian charity. At the end of this segment we're going to give you the secret word to get you more entries into the contest. 50 more entries. 50. 50. Ups your chances of winning. We're going to talk ebooks now and AI and how it's futzing that all up. <laughs> uh, but before we even get into that an interesting fact about you, Gray, is that you've actually self-published. I have, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which is kind of a new way for authors and creators to kind of get their content out there. I guess in the old days, if you wanted to publish a book, you'd have to get a publisher. Yes. I mean, I guess you could try to self-publish, but that's that was very difficult. Usually done by like boutique places. Yeah. You know, they give you a really nice hardcover book. You buy 50 copies for, you know, $25,000, whatever it was that they would charge you. And ridiculous vanity stuff, but some people really like to do it. I know a few uh, professors in university that had, had their own book published and just kept copy, copies around to give to friends. Um, CreateSpace, um, Smashwords, uh, and a few others. Give and these me, are websites? So these are websites. CreateSpace is tied in with Amazon. Uh, Smashwords, I believe it's its own independent place, and they will publish both eBooks as well as physical books. Um, so I actually published as a physical book first, uh, and then went back and did the eBook version. So I had to go and format it as an EPUB file. Um, and it was, the process was quite interesting. I, I, the first book that I wrote was through National Novel Writing Month, which is usually November. And the goal is to write 50,000 words in 30 days. My wife did that as well. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, looking at this, I'm actually, I'm, I'm planning on using ChatGPT and a few others next year because the challenge is getting through the chunk of words that you need in the day. Now, I wrote a book about the Great Fire of London, which took place in 1666. What's the title of your book? 1666. <laughs> Brilliant. Right? Yeah. So here's the question. What do you get when you divide 50,000 by 30? 1666. Oh. So I actually made it a goal for the first draft to write a chapter a day of 1666 words. Some days it came easy. Some days, as Meatloaf would say, it was hard. Yeah. And those days like that, you know, where you're kind of sitting there and you're, you're grinding on something. For a fiction book, you could ask one of these AI um, services to help you along. You know what the plot point is? What do I want to say? Um, the other interesting space that we've seen in ebooks, and a good friend of mine has published a ton of these, are guidebooks. You know, um, in some cases, like physical guidebooks, like stretching for golfers, right? Or, you know, um, handwriting for engineers. And basically taking these concepts, addressing them to a niche, and then creating an ebook out of it. But how diff? Okay, so obviously you got to have the content. So we haven't got to the chat GPT part yet, yeah. but creating the content. So you've got to write this. You did it. You did 50,000 words, wrote this book, 1666, fiction. 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 Yep. on Amazon. And so, but like how hard was it? Okay, you did a physical book. Yes. And so what was the step there? I actually had to take that layout. They give you a, a basically a Microsoft Word file or an InDesign file and create the layout so that you could have it published and have it look the way that you want it to look. That was Sorry, what program did you use? I was Microsoft Word back then. Okay. Um, I actually then, I then put it into InDesign for the second edition. But okay, but you have to know how to use InDesign. That's kind of a 
Kind of, yeah. yeah. Well, it's, it's a whole lot easier now. There are web tools that will build the EPUB for you. Um, you can also uh, use human beings. Fiverr, it's a great service where people will format your book for you. Um, and really, that's sort of the, the, the building of both the physical book and the ebook. Okay, so you built this book. You obviously, used Word or InDesign or got someone to help you with that. And then where do you send it? So CreateSpace, when I was working with them, I would submit a draft to them. They would actually build the book out in a digital way. You can kind of look at it and go, yep, that looks right. Send me a proof copy. And you can get, I think they're like five or six bucks each. And you get these proof copies, which you then go through and you check it over to make sure that it is correct. Now, I went through that thing probably about 10 or 12 times. I had a few friends go through it. There were still errors when I finally published. Well, like spelling, grammar? Spelling, grammar, punctuation in the wrong place. And it's just, even with spell check. I can't, I can't even imagine that though, Greg, because I even just look at blog posts and or Facebook posts and people still can't get it right, yeah. including myself, right? <laughs> so like 50,000 words? Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. So it only costs you like six or seven bucks? For each of those, dra- those proof copies. Wow. And then um, I believe it's available for $13.99 Canadian. Um, it's $99 US. So you're actually selling it. You've gone to Amazon. Yes. And you've listed it. How much did that cost? Uh, it's, it was free. Okay. And it's print on demand. So I don't have to carry any inventory. Oh. And they print the copy when you want one. Um, you know, my mother was very proud. She, I think she ordered 500 copies. No. They're in libraries all over Ontario now. <laughs> what, she just go to the library and go here? You better believe it. So, but to get in a library, you have to have like... So it's got an ISBN. It's got all... So CreateSpace does that for you. It's you okay. all, the, all the things that you need to get into... Gets it registered as... UPCs, yeah. yeah. All that. Yeah. And so it's sold on Amazon for thirteen ninety nine. Yep. And how much do you get? Uh, out of that, I think seven bucks. That's not bad. Not bad. Is it selling? Yeah. I've sold 10,000 copies in 10 years. What? Yeah. No. Yeah. You've sold 10,000 copies yeah, of this 500 book. 500 of those to my mother. Let's not kid ourselves. Okay. Sorry, 10,000. Yeah. At seven bucks a pop? Yeah. So you've made $70,000. Yeah. That's not bad. It's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, is it decreasing in sales? Honestly, it's been kind of consistent. There was, there was a big spike at the beginning. And it's just, I sell a couple of copies a month. Really? Yeah. I've been thinking about a sequel. Okay. So now that we've got that through, yeah. and people can buy an ebook version as well, right? Yes. And how much is the ebook version? Two ninety nine. Oh, it's much cheaper. Yep. And so uh, how much of the two ninety nine do you get? Two bucks. Oh, it's not bad. Not bad. Okay. <laughs> so I might have got those figures wrong. So when you're saying 10,000, does that include the ebooks and the... No, it was 10,000 physical copies. The ebooks, I couldn't tell you. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. It's just going into account. Okay, so ChatGPT now. Yes. You you've physically, like a sucker, actually did the work. <laughs> <laughs> but how can you... Back in my day. Yeah, so if you wanted to write another fiction book... Yes. Is that going to help you? Like. Yeah. So the, a few things that I've been thinking about is, again, ChatGPT and AI... It's like having a conversation with somebody that has this vast wealth of knowledge that you just got to kind of tease out of it a little bit, you know, and it knows different styles of writing. It knows different styles of art. Um, It knows different styles of prose. And so you can say to it, all right, write me a scene where two people have a conversation about a bank robbery, um, but one of them is actually a cop in disguise uh, in the style of a neo-noir thriller. Okay. Right. And many of these AI services will start to spit things out. Then you could take a look at it. And again, it's these contextual conversational clues that you, you can kind of give it to get closer to the pen where, okay, that was great. Uh, now make 
both of the characters women. Okay. Right? How does that conversation go? Uh, make one of those characters uh, who is a cop, but they're actually corrupt, and just see the conversation evolve from there. Right? And so for, for concepting, for ideation, for brainstorming, you know, the initial spark will come from you as an artist, as a creator. So, but you're guiding it. You're guiding it. And you're, you're using these, again, data sets. Love that word. You're using these data sets to basically build a structure of something that wasn't there before. So here, here's something I have to ask. On Amazon now, they're letting these AI written books on there. They've got a section for it written with ChatGPT mm-hmm. or books about ChatGPT. Uh, as you can imagine, there's probably hundreds already, if not thousands of eBooks up there that probably were written with ChatGPT, but the author is not disclosing that. Yes. Can you see that being an issue? Are we going to see a lot of crap? There's, okay, as good as ChatGPT is, it's not, it's not Steinbeck or Stephen King. Here's the funny thing. Neither is Steinbeck or Stephen King because behind every good writer is a great editor. Okay. Right. And so, you know, when I handed my stuff off to people to edit, it came back better. Yeah. Right. You know, I, I, I love my own work. Don't get me wrong, but there were always things that could be improved. So the question I'm asking these, these authors, quote unquote authors, um, are they just taking the raw chat GPT material and dumping that sludge into a file and then sending it off? That's probably not going to be great. If, are they taking it and working with it at all? Are they getting different AI to rewrite each other? That could be kind of fun. So what I haven't done yet is read one of these books. I'm curious. Are they good? Are they crap? A lot of them apparently so far are children's books. So the authors have used ChatGPT. Obviously, they've kind of finessed the output and then use some of these image AI image engines to create the pictures. I think one was about squirrels. Brilliant. Right? <laughs> anyway, I, I, I'm going to start reading some of them just to see how they're... The guy has only made like $100 so far. $100 more, more than he had before? Yeah, it's true. Okay, uh, I've been teasing the whole show about the extra entries into the contest. We are giving away a Samsung Galaxy S22 smartphone and a $500 gift card to your favorite Canadian charity from the Telus Friendly Future Foundation. The secret word this week is mentor. And this is the final weekend. You get 50 extra entries. Uh, the reason why we use the secret word mentor is because uh, Telus works with the big brothers, big sisters, folks. Oh. They've been serving Canadian youth for over 100 years from coast to coast. They match kids to individuals that can help them overcome adversity and challenges in their lives. And as you can imagine, there's been an overwhelming need for mentors, which leads partner organizations closing their wait list. So big brothers, big sisters needed a better way to recruit on board and match bigs to littles. That's where the TELUS Friendly Future Foundation has come in. With the help of an innovation grant provided by the foundation, a technology project called Little Weight Big Impact was created to help streamline recruitment, training, interviewing, and retention of mentors with 100 plus partner organizations now able to digitize their workflow. Little Littles and bigs gets matched faster than ever. So no more red tape, no more lost applications, and more youth finding the role models they need. Again, www.getconnectedmedia.com to enter the contest. And the secret word again is mentor to get the 50 extra entries. I want to thank Gray for coming in and helping out with the show. My pleasure. We'll see you again next time.